Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our church service this morning. These are difficult times. We daily listen to the news. It's not easy to comprehend what's going on in our world. And we miss being together as God's people to worship in First Balamani Presbyterian. But I hope that what I have to share with you today may reach into your hearts by God's Spirit to encourage you and to lift you. Wilma read to us two passages from Scripture from Hosea chapter 3 and Revelation chapter 5. We're continuing our theme of redemption two weeks ago. We opened our worship with the words of Jesus in Mark chapter 10 verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so these three Sundays before Palm Sunday next week, I plan to take three Old Testament stories that illustrate the character of God with this theme of redemption or ransom payer in the background. So two Sundays ago, we looked at Ruth chapter four, the story of Boaz and his love for Ruth. And he comes along as a kinsman redeemer and gives Ruth security in times of uncertainty. And then last Sunday, we read from Jeremiah chapter 32, where Jeremiah's redemption of, of a family field in the middle of a battle siege as Nebuchadnezzar surrounded Jerusalem, gave the Israelites hope in times of trouble. And today we come to Hosea 3, which is about love in times of unfaithfulness. James Boyce was the minister of 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia for many years. He once published a series of sermons on Hosea and the title of the sermon on Hosea was the greatest chapter in the Bible. Why did he say that about these five verses? I don't know whether you know much about the story of Hosea as a prophet. In Hosea chapter one, we discover that Hosea's wife, Gomer, had other lovers and it seems that Hosea's second and third children are not his but the result of her affairs with other men. You read that Hosea is the father of the first child, Jezreel, verse 3. But then we read, Gomer gave birth, verse 6, and then in verse 8, Gomer had another son. So the language implies that Hosea is not the father of these children and most commentators believe, therefore, that they are the result of her promiscuous life with other men. So when we come to Hosea chapter 3, we read an amazing thing. The Lord said to me, Go, show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another and is an adulteress. So I bought her. Where would you buy someone? At a slave market. So it seems that Gomer had run off and somehow her life has collapsed around her and she finds herself to be auctioned for money as a slave in the marketplace. Now whether she owes money to someone else and this is the way to repay the debt by selling herself into slavery or she is owned by someone and they have decided to sell her as a slave. Whatever the background, she has clearly lost all her rights and powers to control her own life. And the Lord tells Hosea to go and purchase her back 
and love her again. This is what the ancient world called redemption. Redemption was what happened in the slave markets when someone paid the ransom price to set them free. Someone could buy her and keep her as his slave, but that would not be redemption. But to purchase her out of slavery, to be a free woman, that's what the ancient world called redemption. And freedom is always the result of redemption. So I showed you this diagram three Sundays ago, how redemption involves three aspects. You have the bondage situation, might be poverty, it might be slavery, it might be no future. And then you have the redeemer who comes along to get you out of that bondage. And how do they get you out? They pay the price or the ransom to meet the demands of what is causing you to be in bondage. And with the ransom price paid, your bondage has no claim on you anymore, so you are free. So Hosea goes to the marketplace to buy her freedom. So you can imagine the scene. She stands there and people begin to bid on her. Somebody over there says 14 shekels. Someone over here says 15 shekels and she recognises the voice. She looks over and to her amazement, it's her husband's. Somebody else says 15 and 6 bushels of barley. Hosea comes back 15 and 9 bushels of barley and he gets her. Notice what the purchase price is. 15 and 9 bushels of barley. You might look, need to look at your footnotes just to get the equivalent of what is given in the text earlier. Now we know that 30 shekels of silver was how much it cost to buy a slave in Israel in those days. So Hosea pays 15 pieces of silver, which is half the price of a slave. And he also pays a homer and a half of barley, which was half the ration given to a cow. So what does this mean? Basically, in human terms, Gomer is pretty worthless. It's not just that she has been reduced to be auctioned as a piece of property. It's also that she is not considered particularly valuable by others. So what a terrible place to be in your life. But now she has been bought. But I presume that she doesn't know to what end. Imagine what she's thinking as Hosea approaches. How could he love me? Oh, he couldn't love me. He has bought me as a slave. He's now going to get his revenge back on me because of the way I've shamed him. But what does Hosea do? I imagine him walking up to her. And instead of treating her as a slave, he puts the veil on her face. He gives her back her dignity as a woman takes her by the hand and leads her away. What we know is that he says these words in verse 3, Gomer, you are to live with me for many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man. And I will live with you. In other words, Gomer, I don't just want you back to be my slave. I want you to be my wife again. I'm not for sharing. We belong to each other exclusively. And it's at this point that Hosea's love for Gomer 
has burned brightest. Can you imagine how Gomer feels walking back home that day, ransomed by her husband? So how does Hosea 3 begin? The Lord said to me, Go, show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cake. Hosea is given two commands, which you don't realise. In the Hebrew language, two of the words are imperatives. They are command language. And the first one is go. It's an imperative. And the second one is love. Hosea is commanded to go and he is commanded to love. And the love that he is commanded to have for Gomer is modelled after God's love. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. God loves you like this. Let the picture of God's love revealed here sink into your heart. Look at the love illustrated here. God asks Hosea to do this incredibly hard and difficult thing because that is the way that God loves his people. God's love for you and me is like buying or redeeming a prodigal wife back to yourself after she has run away from you after other lovers. You're not simply just buying her back, you're buying her back into the freedom of a love relationship again. Into the freedom to be a person with dignity. Into the freedom of having the security of a home that is your own. And so... As we see Hosea's, uh, the love here in Hosea chapter 3, there's two things that we learn about God's love in it. First of all, God's love for you is not quenched by your human failures. No one should ever say, can God love me? Sometimes we're tempted to say that. But look at what God is teaching us here, Israel was a faithless people committing spiritual adultery in their worship of the Lord. The the raisin cakes were food offerings presented to idols. Why do people do such things? Because they want a God they can manipulate, a God who doesn't make too many demands on them. Um, So they bring their raisin cakes. Look, God, at my lovely offering. So because it's, I'm so good, hear my prayer to you. Answer my prayer. Bless my life. And while our hearts may yearn after uh, a God we can manipulate and a God who doesn't make too many demands on us, at the end of the day, what we really need is a God we can trust, a God we can know, and a God who loves us and cares for us. This coronavirus has challenged all our hearts to, to look at actually what, what's important in life. Look at what we put refuge in and security in. It's also challenged, I'm sure, our waywardness and our apathy. And our, our, our prayers, life has probably increased as well for ourselves and our loved ones. The Israelites in Hosea's time had just gone wayward to other gods that seemed so appealing But there's no love in them. They can't love people back. But the Lord loves them. 
and he still loves them. And he shows that love by asking his prophet to preach it visually by buying his wife from the slave market and loving her again. So when we see Hosea standing in the marketplace under orders from God to purchase his wife, we recognise that this is the measure of God's love for us. In a sense, we are Gomer. We were created for intimate fellowship with God and for freedom, like Gomer had with Hosea. But we run away from the Lord after other affections. We don't love God as we should. We don't trust him as we should. We don't honour him as we should. It's like spiritually, we're standing on that auction block for the highest bidders of our hearts in the world. But the Lord still loves us. And he sent Jesus as our Redeemer. And Jesus entered the marketplace of this world to buy us back again, to bring us into the freedom of being a child of God. Is there anything you've done that you feel the Lord cannot really forgive you for? What is it you've done? Or do you have a feeling of unworthiness? You're never quite good enough. You're not like other people. What's binding you? What are you in bondage to? What binds you from being free in his love? Stop trying to be your own redeemer and your own saviour. Name that feeling or that situation and claim your freedom in Jesus because he is your redeemer. Allow this revelation of the Lord's love for disobedient Israelites show you the love he has for you today. God's love for you is not quenched by human failures. It's the first lesson from Hosea chapter 3. And here's the second one. God's love for you is conditional. He doesn't just keep loving and loving and loving no matter which way you, you act. There's, he expects a response, expects our appreciation. He expects thankfulness and obedience to be shown for the redemption. Hosea says to Gomer, you're to live with me for many days. You must not be intimate with any man and I will live with you. Hosea expects Gomer to live appropriately because of what he has done. So while no one should ever question whether God could love them, the question is, will you respond appropriately to God's love? Will Gomer respond to his love? Will the Israelites respond to the Lord's love? That's the question when confronted with grace. Will the grace change us or not? What does Gomer do after this? We don't know. We'd love to know. But the story about Hosea and Gomer ends right here. And the rest of the, of the book is about other message that Hosea as a prophet was given to declare by the Lord. So we never know anything more about Gomer. Was she transformed by Hosea's restoring love, did she get back her dignity and her self-control or did she disappear again? We just don't know because she is not who this book is about. Hosea is a prophet called to bring people back to God and God calls him in his life to buy his wife back as an illustration of how he wants his people to return to him. And that's why Jesus, the greatest 
prophet has come and has done to call us back to the Lord. He is the love that Hosea and Gomer point to. His love is deeper, it's higher, it's wider than anything else in all creation. Because the ultimate price that he paid was his own life upon the cross. Maybe you can begin to see why James Boyce said that Hosea 3 was the greatest chapter in the Bible. Because it is a most powerful illustration of why Jesus came and what he is doing when he is called the Redeemer. In the words of Paul in Romans 8, when he goes through all the things that may happen to us in this life that are bad, at the end of the day he says nothing in all creation Will, will, ever, will be, ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus our Lord. And even the end of the Bible, singing the praises of this love revealed in Jesus our Redeemer. Revelation 5 that we read. You are worthy, they're singing to Jesus, to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased Men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Remember the whole the story of the Bible from beginning to end is about how God is rebuilding this creation to his glory with everything that has gone wrong from Genesis 3. The part of the answer to the sin and the death and the disobedience that came into the world is that Jesus, our Redeemer, steps into the marketplace of this broken world And its lostness and its fears and its anxieties and its aloneness from God. And he comes and he preaches the kingdom of God. And he brings God's presence near and he conquers death. And he forgives our sins. So the trajectory of every life that has faith in him is no longer towards death but is to life eternal. Jesus has purchased this freedom for us. So will we live by faith in him? Will we respond appropriately to his ransoming freedom love? Or will our hearts run away to other affections? That's the great question, spiritual question, we are faced with today. But only our Redeemer brings the freedom that our hearts seek. Andrew Peterson has a beautiful rendition of these words from Revelation 5 when he's asking the question, is he worthy? And as you listen to it now, place your life not in the context of of your failures, but in the context of the Redeemer, the ransom payer who sets you free. And just rejoice in him today and his love for you that brings you home. Let us pray. Our Father God, this world has always been broken. And Jesus is your answer. He is the Lion of Judah who conquered the grave. He is the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. We worship you today for this great love. We believe in you, Lord. We believe that you're not absent from this world's troubles, but your loving presence is in the midst of it. 
So we walk by faith in you and not by sight. Bless us as a church community, Lord, in our homes as we share with those we love this hope through this time because of Jesus, who takes sin-scarred broken people and makes them whole, who takes lost prodigals and brings them home. You are worthy of all honour and glory and praise because you did this for us. We worship you today, Lord. May your presence go with us as a church family in this week ahead. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.